Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday to you. Uh, welcome to Coffee Break. My name is Spencer Campbell, uh, aka Gila RPGs. Uh, and this is Coffee Break. Every Sunday morning, I hang out with my friends and cool folks in the indie TTRPG scene. We share a cup of coffee or whatever warms us, uh, and we just chat about whatever is kind of either exciting uh, to us this week or uh, things that we're really uh, that we're working on or our passions. Today, I'm going to be learning a lot about art, which I'm excited about because I am joined by the amazingly, incredibly talented. J.N. Butler. J.N., would you mind uh, introducing yourself to the fine folks at home? Sure, yeah. So I'm J.N., um, uh, they, them pronouns. Uh, I'm a, a freelance illustrator, I'm mostly doing like um, fantasy horror stuff, sci-fi, landscapes, um, creature design, that kind of thing, uh, a little bit of character stuff. Um, I'm colorblind, so I mostly work in black and white. That's kind of my comfort zone um, and where where I, I uh, do all of my ichromancy and ink and everything. Uh, and um, uh, but I also work in color sometimes um, using a lot of color theory stuff to kind of uh, uh, make up for my my disability. Um, I especially like using like Silver Age um, comic, like halftone screen colors and stuff yeah. like that and make stuff pop. Um, and I do a lot of work with like indies and co-ops, um, shout out to Sandy Pug Games, which is like kind of my home base, um, uh, do a lot with that whole awesome crew. Um, yeah, but, but I've been fortunate to have like touch points with a lot of different creators across a lot of different games. Um, and, uh, outside of that, uh, I work full time as a sysadmin for a pediatric hospital, um, uh and uh, i've got a few kids and uh i love lego that's, Ooh, that's, me. that's a fun <laughs> that's a fun last fact um yeah. have you been a lego person like your whole life have you always just y yes is there a um, name although... for lego people like brickheads or something like that i feel like there uh, needs to be so, a name yeah so um afoles is the thing that gets used a lot which is adult fans of lego okay um uh but um but yeah brickheads uh just lego fans nice. i don't know any any of that that's good i just i just really love lego it's a good uh uh distraction for me i have uh oh i have a lot of lego but this <laughs> this cart behind me is all lego stuff that's like my my cart for like making stuff is it all like organized and everything like i i have it i'm getting there okay um I've, I've got a bookshelf here that's got all my like bins that i've got separated by part type and stuff so yeah yeah because yeah. i like to do i do a mix of like making pre-built or like you know the sets from lego but also i like to design my own stuff too See, it's the latter that I think I'd be really, really bad at. It's why I never could, like, understand the concept of something like Minecraft, where they're like, build whatever you uh -huh. want. And you're like, what do you mean build whatever you want? I need, like, yeah. I need a map. I need a yeah. a, a blueprint to follow. Um, I loved Lego as a kid. Like, I, 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 there's still a giant tub somewhere in my parents' basement, I'm sure, that has all of my yeah. Lego half-built things just all crushed together into one box. Yeah. But, 
Maybe I'll, you know, I need to go pick up some stuff from their house anyway and move it to my house. Maybe I'll grab my Lego and... Uh... I think I think it's worth worth playing with. I will warn you, though, that if you get back into it and you get really back into it, <laughs> that it, it, it can be a bit of a, a, a deep rabbit hole. Um, Excellent. So... Well, when yeah. I go, when I get into something, I tend to get into it pretty hard. So that's that's the yeah. other danger. Is like, okay, well, yeah. this is my whole life now is Lego and right. bye everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's me for sure. Like, like the ADHD uh, hyperfixation kicks in hardcore, and uh, um, All but right. th thankfully, Lego is one of those things that like keeps giving dopamine. So I haven't dropped it. Excellent. We, yeah, <laughs> it still keeps coming back. Yeah. Ah, uh, Dan Phipps in chat mentions this is the problem finding all your old Warhammer stuff in the attic. Yeah, uh, I've that's still lingering in my parents' basement as well, which is a very expensive discovery. Oh, I don't want to think about how much money I put into that. Ooh, <laughs> too much. As a high schooler, I don't even know where I had where I got that cash to spend the unreasonable amount that I did. But not a good idea. Not a good idea. Um. Well, I'm really excited to talk about all of the stuff that you talk obviously the Lego stuff, but all the other stuff you <laughs> talked about as well. Um, sure. You know, being an artist, uh, commission, you know, doing commission work, the co-op thing that you've been working with, the, the cool license that you're doing, and the colorblind thing, which I only yeah. learned recently. I think I learned that you were colorblind when you did a thread talking about the wander home cover that you were working on yeah I, I think you talked about it then um yeah do you mind talking just a little bit about that or sure yeah, yeah I'd love totally to know more. that's that's a great thing to jump into so um so yeah so I, i'm colorblind i'm uh uh i've got protonopia which is red green color blindness um but basically means that like i have a deficient number of um uh cones for that are red receptors so stuff that sort of relates to the red color family or has red wavelengths in it. Um, I tend to have issues with seeing um, because I don't, my eyes don't get enough input. And so my brain doesn't get enough data and it just, you, brains don't like not knowing things. So your brain makes shit up and is like, we've decided this is this color because we don't really know. Um, and uh, um, so in some cases I see the incorrect color. Sometimes I, I see the correct color, but like, that like whole not enough data thing just means um i can't name it like yeah i just it's like nothing i'm trying to grab on to something to give me like a clue and it's just like hard to um i i tell people sometimes like there's this color that i don't think anybody else experiences but uh i call it orange, which is like something that's simultaneously green and orange i'm like it's definitely one of these uh, Interesting. and, and it feels like both at the same time. Um, so anyways, as you can imagine, that kind of causes <laughs> problems with interpreting color for using it in something or like choosing color and, and applying it. Um, so that's, that's kind of been like a struggle for me, you know, all throughout making, I've been, I've been making art since I was, um, a kid, but I went to, um, I like majored in it in high school and then also went, got my BFA in art and drawing, um, after that and uh and color was always a struggle for me um and so in a lot of cases i avoided it um and primarily worked in black and white and grays and things like that just because it was more comfortable i didn't have to confront it um but once i started getting into making digital art um like kind of around the advent of 
the iPad and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, um, so maybe for like the past, like, uh, I don't know, decade ish, um, uh, a little or a little shy of that. Um, um, I started experimenting with color because it was a little lower risk, right? You know, instead of, you know, using that $40 tube of like oil paint or whatever <laughs> that like, I, you know, if I use incorrectly is feels awful. Um, uh, it just, it felt like a lower barrier to entry to experiment uh, and try stuff out. So I tried, I started like playing with using color, but got really frustrated with it um, until I started like trying to kind of um, reel in some of what I was doing, try and do less like hyper-realistic rendering with it and and like be like, okay, well, let's practice fundamentals. Let's go back to like stuff I was learning year one in school of mm. like color theory. And like, these are the colors I do know and I know their complements and I know, um, I know where stuff is on the color wheel. So um, if I know that, you know, here's a um, blue that, uh, has an orange complement, like even though the orange is kind of hard to see, I know that if I pick an orange, like as a highlight, it'll, you know, uh, work well together with this. And then I can kind of get it double checked by, you know, my family around me who can see color and be like, does this, does this look okay? I think theoretically this should be good, you know, and, uh, on paper in math, you know, this is great, but you know, visually, how does it look? Um, so that's kind of how I, how I compensate for that. Um, but I still, it's still can be frustrating and it is a slow process mm. for me. It's the slowest part of my workflow for sure. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating to me that, and it makes sense to use the, the color theory using the, like you understand the, the theory, if the theory mm -hmm. is sound of the color wheel and everything like that, then then the art should all then it should look good uh and it's yeah, so it should, it should work out it's so interesting how then like you know like you said you show it to your family or other people like that and i'm you know i'm curious when you do that is it is it typically like yeah okay you were on the right track or do you ever find like you're like in theory this should work and then other people are like no this is not <laughs> this does, yeah just doesn't i mean work. So, sometimes it doesn't work yeah i mean like um i do have cases where like um, I think I've used the right color, but um, so, somewhere along the way with filters or mm. um, um, uh, the way colors have been layered or things like that, a color shifts in a way that I don't, I haven't been able to account for. And like something that was like a, um, like an ochre dark or a yellow kind of color has shifted. There's like too much black in it and it's shifted more green and I don't, realize that and all of a sudden i've got like a green hue along the horizon which can be a vibe but is maybe not the vibe i'm going for <laughs> um so that that tends to be where like family is helpful in, in catching that for me um but i do use some some other like aids for that too like mm. i have an app on my phone um that uses the camera so you can point it at things and it'll tell you like generally what color it is oh cool um and it's pretty accurate um but lighting has to be good. Um, and if you're pointing it at a screen, uh, it's hit or miss because sometimes um, like the camera on the phone is too good. So if you're too close, it's like picking up the LEDs oh, or like, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, well, that's too precise. Uh, that's not gonna help in this situation. Um, so 
Um, but Procreate is the main app I used to draw, and they recently, in their latest like big update they did last fall, um, added a feature where whenever you pick a color, you can enable a, a preference that will it'll give a label at the top of the screen that just sort of like fades in and out briefly that tells you a name for that color. So it'll be like, oh, uh, dark cyan blue, um, or uh, um, you know, it'll say like uh, um, just orange or yeah. whatever, and and uh, it it may not be like super precise, like it's not using names like chartreuse or like you know <laughs> some of the more poetic names that we have for colors, but it at least like is helpful for validating like I meant to choose this color. That wording aligns with the color I intended to choose. Right. Um, and so that that helps a lot too. And the color dropper uses that as well. So like, um, so I can do a little more of the validation myself now in the app rather than having to check with people. Um, that's awesome. That's and that's in one of their later up or latest updates on on. Program. Yeah, yeah. So definitely like a um, uh, a strong argument for you know the rewards of including accessibility yeah. options and and things. I I have Procreate on my iPad. I got you know I got it recently. I'm 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 no artist, but I've been dabbling, and it's a fun program mm -hmm. to play around with. Just yeah. like you know, I just. I tinker on my own with stuff. Even I just like create vibe pages of just like, all right, let me just use a bunch of different brushes and colors just to be like, this evokes the idea, the vibe of the game I'm working on. Even if it, none of it is art I'll use, it gives me a sense of sure. the game. And then I, I do, I follow, I do like a bunch of like tutorial YouTube videos where like, you can draw this and procreate. And then I like follow along. That's fun. It's, yeah. It's, it's cool. It's a cool program. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's great for like, you know, it's a low barrier of entry kind of program where like most of the stuff you just want to try out is pretty simple to get used to, but it also has a lot of depth for like more advanced stuff once you once you really get into it in terms of kind of kind of the things that people who come from more of a traditional maybe kind of a <laughs> confused word to use it, but a traditional digital background in like using Photoshop with mm. a Wacom tablet and that kind of thing, um, where you've got the um, you know the wide breadth of features of something like photoshop um and the whole gui for all of that is in your face you know um <laughs> potentially depending on how you customize it but but procreate sort of tries to get out of the way mm. which is um which is great if it if that kind of thing works for you for me it does because it's less distracting um but it also means that it can be a little hard to get used to some of the advanced features because it's they're sort of like hidden away right um, but yeah, I'm yeah. I'm still learning new fun little tricks all the time. Every time I open yeah. it up, I'm like, oh, I had no idea I could do this. So definitely check out Procreate if you're interested at all in dabbling with this sort of stuff. Um, so you do, you so you've been how long have you been doing commissioned work? Because I know um, I've, yeah. I mean, I've as long as I've seen you, you've been doing it. I've, when did you get started with it? So um, I started doing commission stuff maybe. Um, about four years ago, okay. um, um, four or five, actually maybe closer to five years at this point. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've done art for a while. I've sold like art that I've done. I've, um, I did some comic stuff for a while, made like mini comics and that kind of thing. But, um, and I've, uh, for a long time also, actually, since, since I was like an undergrad in like 04 to 08, um, did commissions for like t-shirt designs and stuff for like bike races and um my friends like shops and stuff yeah. like that um 
but that was all like one-offs, like maybe one or two things a year. Um, and for a pittance kind of thing, like <laughs> nothing I could really like claim as, as, uh, um, it was mostly like beer money kind sure. of thing, you know, um, and sometimes it just literally was beer, um, or, or things along those lines. But, uh, um, uh, but more like making a concerted effort to like, okay, um, I'm going to get serious about making art on a regular basis and, um, trying to get commission work, like get people to know who I am, see my portfolio and like um want, want to commission me and not not um <clears throat> excuse me um not do so much of the like please give me a job kind of thing mm. <laughs> um which you still have to do but um and and that was there was a lot of legwork of that kind of like i you have to do a lot of pitching um but anyways i don't know i'm, I'm jumping around a lot uh yeah, like five, five years or, or so. Um, and, and that sort of aligns with like, honestly, when my kids became all sort of more independent and I had more of the free time to commit to um, to that because my kids are aged at this point, um, uh, eight through uh, almost 14. Mm. Um, so they all kind of hit that school age point where I was like, okay, I've got, got some more time to myself in the evenings. Yeah. Um, um, even like before they're in bed, I can actually do stuff sometimes. Um, uh, so that, that opened up that, that space for me. That's awesome. Um, I, I, I want to talk to you about like the experience of being like a commissioned artist in like the RPG space. And as, yeah. especially as somebody who has commissioned art, uh, it is such a, um, it's a, it's a dance you learn. It's an ed there's like etiquette to it that I feel like uh, you don't learn until you you just like you try and then you, you realize you did it wrong and all all that sort of stuff. Like you know, and there's the you know there's all those memes of like asking uh you know you ask somebody to commission something and they say what's your rate and you say what's your budget and something right. like that, right? Yeah, so, yeah. The standoff. Yeah, um, right. The so like yeah. Can you like I guess like what is like some what's some advice for folks out there because i'm still learning it as i'm commissioning sure. artists like because every, every artist so, i've worked with is different sorry yeah yeah oh no that that's um yeah i think that there's um uh in in freelancing i think probably not unique to art um but um uh certainly i know it from from art uh there's like not there's not a great like yeah here's the standard way right. <laughs> you do this there's not like a formula um there's there's plenty of advice but everybody's advice is different and um so my experience has been like maybe kind of a uh maybe a bit of a foundation like the different types of ways that um as a freelancer you might make income with your art particularly in rpgs um you know there's royalties that's a big thing in like the um uh, the DTRPG kind of scene um, and uh, um, DMs Guild, mm. um, which DMs Guild was sort of like the first place that I got some work in the scene. Um, uh, I don't really do royalty work um, as much anymore because it is um, it's a, it's an accessible way for like anthology teams and stuff to kind of make a project together because you don't really need funds up front necessarily. Everybody's committed to just like 
you know, you're going to get said cut, you agree on whatever cut on the front end and, um, um, but uh, you're not getting paid upfront at all, or, or not getting paid like a set price necessarily. Um, so there's some risk associated with that, but it tends to be the kind of like, when you're starting out easier jobs to get, um, because, um, you know, folks are like, you know, hoping for, for people who are willing to, to take that risk along with them and, and are a little more willing to kind of work with folks they maybe aren't as familiar with necessarily. Yeah, and if, then there's, if you then don't there's, have the cash in, in pocket to pay the artist up front, the royalty yeah. might be the more appealing thing if it, if it works yeah. for you sort of thing. Yeah, and some, sometimes it's great. And I think it depends on how you work as an artist sometimes too, like your speed or like how comfortable you are with that sort of like, I'm going to draw this now and maybe not see the return on it till later kind of thing. Um, uh, but then, yeah, then there's just like, you know, setting rates and, um, uh, you know, ha having working with people who are paying up front or paying partially up front and, and partial upon completion or working with groups that are fundraising. So like mm -hmm. maybe you're doing a little bit of work kind of pro bono up front for marketing purposes and stuff, but hopefully like, um, you know, you've got a um, itch fund or Kickstarter or, you know, kind of wherever that's living that um, if that's fun successfully, then then you're getting paid in a more traditional mm. kind of like, yeah, here's the contract, here's what you're getting paid up front and, um, and all that. Um, so so th there is a bit of variety to it. Um, and uh, my experience of it has been, everything works best when you're just transparent. Um, uh, and uh, like both recognize that it's, you know, on both sides of like the commissioner and commissionee, like, um, this is about money <laughs> and <Right>. that's uncomfortable <laughs> for a lot of people. Um, it's still uncomfortable for me in some scenarios, but I think the thing that has made it more comfortable for me, and this is sort of advice for artists um, to both, I think, get paid in a more consistent manner um, or a consistent amount. Um, and, and also it helps the people that commission you like have a smoother experience is to try and establish some rates that are, relatively clear um and put them somewhere that's accessible beside it it's helpful to have it like on your like pin tweet or whatever like some folks do that or um but having you know your own portfolio website and something there um that talks about your rates i think is great um uh but um but that so then you can kind of give a sense of like okay here's the types of things that I'll I'll do and for how much and um, you know reach out and we'll work out an exact quote but you can kind of get a general idea based on this and that way when somebody's reaching out to commission you they sort of like know generally what they're getting into and you can feel confident in giving a quote without feeling like oh maybe I should reel this back a little bit that was a big thing for me early on is like okay I'm going to set a rate and then somebody would be like hey I want to do this with you and then I'd be like cool my rate is normally 150 so yeah i'll do that for 50 bucks you know uh, like because i would be like i want this job and right. uh and like i feel bad charging this for it mm. like for some reason that i don't know why but it feels weird so i guess i won't charge it um and uh but if you have those things set publicly and somebody finds you through those means they're reaching out after seeing how much you charge and right. so you can feel a little more comfortable um uh 
being sort of resolute in what your your rates are. Yeah, I you mentioned uh, and this this in this you reminded me of something that I've I'm I'm curious because you have a very unique perspective on this or approach to this, and I'm just curious because and I think it's relatively new. When I've been looking for artists in the past, one thing that I notice a lot is when I'm looking at rates uh, that they have posted, it's it's oftentimes I see things for like for personal use only, right? So a lot of people mm-hmm. are like it's commissioned art for like you know for creating like an your your OCs or your, you know I want to yeah. make I want a portrait of my D and D character or something like that, right? Um, but I I want stuff for commercial use, um, yeah. and sometimes that's either like not there in the rate or it's its own separate thing so mm-hmm. i'm curious if you have and i know you have thoughts because you have your own sort of approach to doing this yes <laughs> but like what is that like have you i guess maybe even before you've sort of taken the approach that you did like what's the when you're an artist and you're deciding between doing something like commercial rate versus like private rate what what kind of goes into that do you have a sense yeah, so I think I, I think like a lot of things it varies, but um, when I um, uh, when I was like kind of first getting into doing commissions, my sense of it, it was like my commercial rate is my base rate, and personal is like a discount on that mm-hmm. sort of because like you're not going to use it for commercial reasons, you're not making money off of this, so you I'll do it for less for you, and I think that that's probably how a good number of people set their rate. Um, um, But since then, I've sort of kind of flipped that idea where like my commercial rate is more of my default. And I'm sorry, let me back up. My personal rate is more of my default. Mm. And then commercial is sort of like a surcharge Mm. on that. Because um, one of the things I recognize is that working over time, I haven't done a ton of of personal commissions, mostly commercial, but I, I do personal sometimes. But I noticed that like, okay, I was charging less because they're not not gonna use it commercially, but I'm still spending the same amount of time and effort on these. Um, and so, um, you know, at the time, I don't think I was charging an amount that was fair to the amount of labor I was putting into that work. Um, so that's where I've tried to kind of shift that into like, personal is like, this is the the, the lowest I would work um, on on a piece of art for, um, and then commercial is is sort of a step beyond that. Uh, and then now I I kind of set commercial stuff, um, even stratified a little bit beyond that based on like who the publisher is, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm going to charge um, an independent publisher on itch um, less than I'm going to charge like um, like Paizo. Um, or Wizards of the Coast or something like that, um, where it's like, well, are you a billion dollar corporation or are you, (laughs) are you somebody who's like saved your, uh, itch payouts for like six months to commission a single piece? Like that's, there's a very different dynamic there. And and I, and I want, I'm going to charge you differently because also your audience is different too. Um, so, um, yeah. I, I don't. I think I answered. Yeah, that you absolutely did. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. you know, it's 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 just it's one of those many things that in the process of commissioning art over you know the two-ish years I've been doing this, it's one of those things that I learned. I'm like, oh, okay, so there's different rates depending on 
a whole bunch of different things. And then, then I also learned that there's different rates based off of commercial and personal. And, yeah. you know, you mentioned the use of royalties. I, you know, I, like you said, I, I haven't seen the royalties thing as, as often when I'm looking around at artists, but I do see it pop yeah. up from time to time. Um, yeah. I think it tends to be a thing that artists are less inclined to offer and more inclined, like when they're looking for work are like, mm. okay, yeah, I'll do royalties. Like I don't, I used to actually have a thing on my site that like, hey, if 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 my rates like fall kind of outside of what works for you, you know, maybe we can work something out with royalties, reach out and we can talk about it. Um, but I don't I don't have that on my site anymore just because I tend to the only times I do royalties anymore um, uh, tend to be with people I'm close with, mm. um, wh whether it's like a close working relationship or actually friends with. Um, because it's more like okay this is a thing we're making together like we want to make it um but you know none of us have have the funds for it kind of right. thing but like we're committed to this idea so let's let's you know we'll all work on royalties kind of thing versus things where it's like someone i don't know who's organizing a project um i, I don't tend to do that anymore yeah well i want to i want to talk about your 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 comrade's license because it is yeah yeah it is so cool uh when um i guess i'll i mean i i'm, I'm not going to try and describe it because i won't do it nearly the justice but i i think this is the first time i've seen something like this uh it is an unbelievably cool license so so what is what is this approach that you use sure so um uh maybe um first like most people are familiar with creative uh, commons mm. licensing, um, which is, uh, you know, it's an open source licensing format with a variety of different types of licenses you can apply, commercial, non-commercial, um, what kind of credit you can provide, what kind of like, um, you know, whether or not if you use the work, whether you have to use it identically or you're allowed to do transformative works, uh, things like that. Um, and I think it's a, it's a great option for a lot of different things and i think it's great that it exists but when i started looking at using that as a licensing model for some work um especially work that i wanted to like make available to the scene a problem that came up and i i've seen a number of people talk about this as an as like a concern sometimes is like i want to make this open to everybody but i don't want um you know some corporation mm to get my work for free when like they have the budget to pay artists. Um, this, I, this is intended for creators as an accessibility option when other art is not accessible to them, not, um, and not accessibility as a, a, um, something related to disability, but something related to like financial accessibility. Right. Um, uh, and, and, uh, you know, the folks who are just getting started in the scene and like, um, art plays a lot into like what gets, um, what's what's visible and like what gets traction and and um, uh, like it would be great if good art um, is available to folks. Um, to so, um, but again, like you know, not getting exploited, the art not getting exploited. Like, how do you make it sort of like equitable to to everybody involved, including the artist? Um, so uh i had been talking with the folks in sandy pub about this for a while because i had you know what 
as I've been doing commissions, I've been reevaluating my rates and licensing models, like and contracts, like on a constant basis. I'm constantly thinking, like, how do I make this easier to read? How do I make it easier to understand? How do I make sure I'm getting paid an amount that is reasonable? How do I make sure I'm charging an amount that's reasonable? And then, like, how do I make sure it's licensed in a way that works for in people's uses and 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 all that? And um, and we we had talked frequently about like the difference between Creative Commons and and uh, but then that that hurdle of like corporations being able to potentially <laughs> use it. Not that there's a trend of that happening necessarily, um, but the possibility of it hovering there is doesn't feel good. Sure. Um, so. Um, and also the possibility of like other people who like you know the the people who steal art for t-shirts and stuff mm -hmm. like that um there's all that too that you potentially open the door to um uh so um nem um had created a license for um uh monster care squad um uh for the aldemara um setting and and uh historical society thing that yeah. um that she and the rest of the crew had made for um um the grants they did out of the, the kickstarter for that and um but so so as they were releasing like okay here's sort of like the um the uh, uh the srd or or, or uh you know kind of kit that you've got available to you for rules and and art and all that um this is the license we've made for this and um mem had formatted that in a basically like a uh, FAQ sort of mm. format. It's not like a contract or not like you would normally see a license. It was just like, what is, what is this license? Um, are there any restrictions? Um, what um, do you have the ability to um, uh, make or not make and, and all that? And it, it just was like super easy to read. It was very concise, very um, low on legalese and all that. Um, and um uh it just um it, it it was brilliant like i hadn't seen something written that way for that purpose before and i asked like hey this this is super inspiring this feels like the thing that i've been trying to hit on but haven't been able to land on or haven't had the motivation to like do something with would you be okay with me riffing on this um and uh and yeah, so that, you know, everyone was cool with that. So I wrote a version that was that the that license for Monster Care Squad is written in a way that's pretty specific to making content for Monster Care Squad, because that was the intention of it is 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 for that content. So I wanted to make one that um, would be something I could use, but also anyone else could as well. Um, um so make it more just like about art and that and art could be writing it could be visual it could be video content you know basically anything that's not ephemeral um and uh um uh yeah so so it's it's written in a, the creative comrades license is sort of what i arrived at as that um interpretation but i i do like have to preface it with that like um Nem was first on this for sure, and I don't know if she'll have uh, input on like if there was something that preceded that for them that was uh, you know the first thing uh, on on their end with uh, 
something like that. But um, that was my touch point, mm. my inspiration for it. And, and so like, I have to give it a lot of credit there for sure. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's an, in, like an FAQ format. It's pretty straightforward. Um, you can see it at creativecomrades.org. It's also linked from my website, which is just jnb.art or jnbutler.art. You can get to it either way. Um, and, uh, um, the basic concept of it is that it's, it's a license sort of like a creative commons, um, uh, commercial license, uh, but with some restrictions that I think are a little more protective for small creators. Mm. So uh, it has some restrictions on it related to, you know, if you have a, if your um, income for the past three fiscal years is greater um, than or equal to a million dollars a year, um, you need to, to like, you need to purchase a license for this art. Mm. Like you can't use this art free. You are in a, a bracket of income that, um, you you have the avail the ability to 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 pay for this, right. um, but otherwise, uh, and this I think applies to most people. Um, <laughs> if you're under that, um, use this art. Like the only restriction is essentially the the main restriction is credit. Mm. You know, give credit that this art is by the creator of the art um, somewhere that is not hidden, but um, uh, visible somewhere in, in what you're making you know it doesn't have to be like right on the art or like ruining the aesthetic of your stuff but if you've got a credits page or, or whatever make sure that's there um, but also a few other things that creative commons doesn't take account to like being able to specifically say you're not allowed to use this for um, works that um, uh, are um, derogatory towards marginalized people um, or um, but also with the caveat that you are more than welcome to use it to talk shit about turfs and millionaires and <laughs> billionaires and like, um, like uh, to make that distinction that like this is this is a uh, a license that's intended to empower yeah. um, empower creators the proletariats you know our comrades um, and uh, and not be something that is intended for use by um, corporations. Yeah. It, it's so cool. I mean, it is. I, I put the link there in chat for folks uh, to check out because, I mean, it just, it is, like you said, sort of unlike any other license that I've seen in terms of how it is, how it's organized. And, and I just think this is such an unbelievable resource for folks who have because you know you said this early on like art is one of those things like it it sell like it draws you in it it can be the thing that like wow i look at that cover right you look at 10 million hp planet and you go holy shit i want to know more about that right which is a cover that jn did um and you know for a lot of folks like you said some of them are saving up their itch payments for months on end to get that one piece and it can be a huge barrier as well so um... yeah yeah so so that's yeah so that's kind of the second piece of this right like I, I worked on the license but then it was like okay well now I want to make some of my work available with this license so on my website there's a link to a Google Drive folder that I have that at this point uh, I forget how many pieces I have in it that's like around 40 or something like that it's pieces essential. of art I'm gonna I'll place um, it in chat here that um, a mix of black and white and color works um, that are licensed under this. So um, 
I've, I'm aware of at least a couple folks who have used it, taken advantage of the art so far, used it on covers or interior stuff. Um, so yeah, it's just art that like, it's stuff I've made that either I've made an agreement with the original commissioner that um, it can be used in this way or stuff that I just made and, and never got used in something or, um, you know, under a variety of circumstances, uh, I've, I've been able to put here so that anyone can use it uh, as long as they're meeting the terms of the Creative Comrades license agreement. Um, and, uh, um, it, it, you know, my one of the things whenever I work on my rates, like trying to figure out what making adjustments to my commission rates is I'm always trying to find that balance between like, I have, um, I want to be compensated fairly mm. for my work, um, especially as somebody who's been a working artist in a variety of fashions, um, maybe not just in tabletop, but in, in a variety of contexts for, you know, a decade and a half, I have a lot of experience and I, um, even when I'm hard on myself, I recognize that I, I, I have a skill level that allows me to work professionally and, and I want to make sure that I, um, I'm getting paid fairly. Um, but I also don't want to price myself out of working with the people I want to work with. Mm. Um, like I love working with co-ops and indie creators and small publishers and people who are making weird stuff <laughs> that just isn't, you're not going to see published by in other places necessarily. And right. people who I feel like I don't have to interact with through a bureaucracy, you know, like um, all that kind of stuff. I don't want to price myself out of that. Um, so there's always like, it's like trying to find the balance in my pricing. Um, and I do some of that through like having different tiers of, of commission rates, depending on like the size of your outfit or whatever, um, whether you're a small publisher or a big publisher or a corp, whatever. Um, but also like that was, that was sort of the, the end goal of this creative comrades license was there are going to be some folks who can't afford my rates but are people that I still would love to work with or still would love to see my art associated with the things they make because they're making really cool stuff. Um, but I don't, you know, with a family, with a full-time job, um, with the freelance work I do, I don't necessarily have the time to commit to unpaid work frequently. Right. Um, I do a little of it, but I, I don't have a lot of time for that. So, um, uh, uh, so I wanted a way to, to do that so that I could still um make art with those people um you know have our art collide together and and um and this seemed like a good solution for that it's such a cool solution it's uh i i love seeing you know like you said it's a it's a form of accessibility related to financial accessibility and and just working with people and sort of meeting them at their needs but also meeting your own needs it's it's so it's very cool because um yeah, I mean, like you said, we, um, plenty plenty of folks will will just make the exception and be like, "Yeah, I'll just do it for free, or I'll do it for five mm -hmm. bucks, or whatever." And I'm like, "That's not yeah. what you should be paid for the thing yeah. that you're, <laughs> you're doing." Yeah, and sometimes you do that. Sometimes it's like, you know what? I, I can't. I can. I can make that work right now. I yeah. can. I can do that for nothing or or a, a extreme discount or whatever. But a lot of times you can't. Um, and um, uh, it's not fair to to ask artists in any medium to to have that expectation of, of working 
for exposure or for royalty rates right. that are, are insulting, you know. Um, so, so I think that this is that compromise of like, um, you know, this art has been published somewhere before potentially or whatever, but you know, people use stock art all the time and it's the same scenario there. And, um, uh, and this is just, this is just another type of stock art in a way, um, but licensed uh, with a licensing model that, um, doesn't have a pay barrier. Um, and also, yeah, protects the, the artists from their stuff ending up places they don't really want it to end up. Yeah. So. It's super cool. It's very, very cool. Um, and it's relatively, I feel like this is relatively new as a new model for you, right? Like this is in like the last couple yeah, of months. Yeah, so I had been prepping it towards the end of last year with the goal of launching at the beginning mm. of 2022. So that's that's what I did. I launched it at the beginning of this year uh, alongside of my the change in my rates at the same time because I, I went from charging a like piece-sized base mm. rate model um, to a... Uh, to a day rate. Um, oh yeah, I saw uh, that you do you do a day rate for for your yeah work. yeah yeah. So we could talk about that that too um, maybe next. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so I prepped it for a while, kind of run it by some people, gave a preview to some folks to see what they thought, and and people seem to like it. So it's I consider it an alpha still because I would really like to eventually I, I I want more people to use it, not just use my art with that license, but I want other people to license their work with this license. And I hope to eventually see people want to be contributors to the, the license and, and, you know, so that we can rev it into a beta and then, you know, a, a, a public 1.0 version um, that is more finalized and, and, you know, catches the, um, the things that I, I missed in terms of like, well, have you considered this or that? Cause I built it from, sort of a combo of my and nem's experience right because mm -hmm. i modeled it off of some of what nem wrote and and put some of my own spin in it um but i, I want to like what what else do people see in there one in there and and eventually i don't want it to be my thing like i want it to be um it it, it feels weird to have something you know called creative comrades mm. that is uh sort of managed by a singular individual um so i don't want to own it i want it to become a community resource um and eventually you know there are there's a, a group of stewards of the license responsible for edits and revisions and um you know new dot releases and all that kind of thing um so i, I hope it gets there eventually yeah. um so yeah me too me too i hope it gets there i do want to talk about the day rate thing is that because I, I forgot yeah. about that because i yeah when i you know like you said you you did like a a piece-based rate or like you know how mm -hmm. detailed or the size of the piece or something like that and i think that's what i commonly see but i remember looking over yeah. at your commissions and you do it based off of like the amount of like days that it would take to make it i think right yeah yeah so that and that actually sort of ties into a little bit of like another disability based kind of way of like or way of working alongside of one of my disabilities. So I've got ADHD and anxiety and depression, but ADHD is sort of like one of the big inhibitors mm. to um, me sitting down and doing the work of art. And, and um, but uh, um, as I have over like the past year and a half, like actually got an official ADHD diagnosis and got, um, uh, I've started taking medication alongside of it. That's been very helpful and stuff. I've, 
Um, you know, one of the things that people often experience with ADHD is time blindness. Um, so this experience of like just losing time when you're either sucked into something or you ex are experiencing such um, uh, heavy executive dysfunction that you're like not doing anything and that time of not doing anything eats away at, at time in a way where you then feel guilt about like, mm -hmm. I wasn't productive enough and like all that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, but I, I had an impossible time keeping track of how much time I spent on work. Like somebody would say, how many hours did this take you? And I would say, I don't know. I started it in July and it's August and I worked a lot of, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Some days I worked the entire day on it. Sometimes I put 15 minutes to it and put it down and I didn't track any of it. Um, and the idea of tracking it just filled me with, uh, instant like disgust <laughs> like like fuck that there's absolutely no way i'm time tracking this like that's that's nonsense i'm not gonna write you know track mm -hmm. my hours or tick off a thing or put a time sheet you know um that's garbage uh which i still feel that way in a lot of ways but i have at least become a little more self-aware of how long something takes me to wake uh, to make mm -hmm. and uh and um a little more um uh, and I've also just gotten faster over time. The more work I do, I get a little faster. Um, so it, and I was, I was realizing, um, because of my tendency to put a ton of detail and attention and like obsessiveness into my work, regardless of what size it is, that size didn't really make sense as a way of pricing work anymore. Mm. Cause I was doing like quarter page, half page, full page cover, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and. I was putting as much effort into a half page interior as I was a cover. Um, and, um, in some cases and, and, but getting paid like sometimes like threefold different amount for that. Um, so it didn't really make a lot of sense in terms of the value of, of, of my work. Um, so, so with that sort of like ability to actually pay attention to how long things take to make, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. Um, because I know this is how much time I have during a week to work. I generally work like six days of the week on commissions, um, for at least an hour. Um, like that's my minimum commitment to, to doing art every week is, is at least like six hours of work mm -hmm. basically. Um, but, uh, with the understanding that my tendency is once I get over that hurdle of getting started, which like I can commit to that hour. I fall in the flow of the piece and then I, I can put four hours into an evening or whatever and stuff gets done faster than, than, you know, I would expect if I was really only doing an hour every, every day. But that's like, that's, that's kind of like my minimum expectation. Mm. And, and with doing that sort of approach to working, which is essentially like a day of work a week. Um, my day rate is sort of like a week rate. Um, but telling people it's a week rate is, um, like, uh, if I was if I was working, you know, for the rates I have for a full week work or for a week of work, they'd be ultra low. Yeah, right? um, <laughs> I'd be getting paid like four dollars an hour or something. Um, but but that is like it takes me a week to do a day of work. Basically, mm. is is kind of how that works out. So yeah, so I, I kind of made all that clear on the site, and I do give some examples of like generally speaking, like a half page piece is going to take me like this number of days. So like, if you're, if you're thinking about asking me for a commission, you can know that like, 
a full page piece is going to be two to four days of work. And so you can multiply my day rate by that to get a general sense of what I might charge. Mm. Um, and the day rate is different depending on who, who you are or, or like the end goal, right? So like there's the personal day rate, the independent co-op, small publisher rate, the big publisher and the, the corporate right. rate. Yeah. Super cool. Uh, I mean, it's, it's cool again to see the stratified pricing based off of, uh, who people are and then yeah you know finding the finding a way to figure out your rate based off of a system that works for you or that work yeah. kind of you know functions with the way that you approach art or that you want to think about using your time it's really cool i like i like this concept of the day rate it makes it makes sense to me because yeah not every half page piece is going to be the same level of work mm -hmm. that goes into it so yeah yeah and sometimes people want a half page piece that's just a character with no background it's like well i can knock that out in half a day so i'm going to charge you half my day rate or like versus somebody who's like i want a full page that has eight characters on it and uh um you know so that kind of thing is like well that's going to take me four days of work to do. And, and I, I don't want to charge the same thing in both cases. Um, that's not fair to me or the, or the people paying for it necessarily. Um, um, so yeah. And I, I encourage artists to frequently take a look at their rates and mm -hmm. see like, is this work, is this, um, is this fair to me and the commissioner based on the amount of time it's taking me to do these pieces um, based on the amount of experience I've gained, based on how much my, art has improved since it started like um i i hope artists um i hope more artists start to take a close look at their rates and and recognize when they're undercharging um because i definitely was when i started in the scene um now i feel like i'm at a comfortable spot to sit for a while like um uh but um but a lot of people just way undercharged like i see people commissioning or like doing like full color character full body character commissions for 20 bucks. Mm. Uh, it's like, I know they're not spending an hour on that. Mm. And if they're knocking it out an hour, great for them, but I still think they should charge more. Cause like you also shouldn't be penalized for being fast. Right. Like if your stuff is good and you're fast at it, like don't charge less, like still charge the, the value of that work. Um, right. But, but a lot of people undercharge. And some of that I think is like, they think that's all they can pay mm. or they all they can charge, but yeah, I, I think just looking at it frequently and being willing to change it and recognize like when you're freelance, you don't have a boss. Like nobody says like, <laughs> oh, you're only allowed to change your rates two times a year or like at the end of the fiscal cycle or like just if you think they should be different, change them and don't don't screw over existing clients. Like if you have an existing contract, obviously honor that rate. Um, but for net new, like change it whenever it feels mm. right to change it. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about with the day rate that I like is that it's, you know, you have a sense, but you get the complexity of the piece is sort of described to you. So you have a sense of how many days it's going to take. And so you just, you can multiply day rate times number mm -hmm. of days and it's, you just kind of, it's quick math. Other, you know, other systems where it's like based off of the size of the piece, then also have like the sort of like a la carte model that goes on top of it of like, plus this much if you want a background, plus this much if there's yeah. multiple characters, plus this much if you want... And, and then it becomes harder necessarily to have a sense of like, where are we at at the beginning of this? Like what, what's our, you know, what's our price going to be? Let's like add up, all, like have an yeah. itemized list as opposed to, okay, I've read the brief. I have a sense, two days, something like that. Mm -hmm. It's nice. 
Yeah. And and for me, it also helps me just plan how much work I can take on too. Cause like, if I know I can do about a day's worth of work in a week, sometimes if I'm crunching, like I can do, I could do like up to three days worth of work in a week, but that's like really like pushing it. And I can't, that's not sustainable to do all the time. I know like, okay, well, if, if people have paid me for 12 days worth of work, um, I basically have, um, like I've got several months of work set out and I, I shouldn't take any new commissions on during that time, or I should tell people, Hey, I can do this commission, but is it okay if it doesn't, if I don't start working on it until two months from now or or whatever? Um, so, so it just helps me plan stuff too, and not, not, um, overwhelm myself with work that I've taken on because I'm like excited about it or because it's like I fear of like not having commissions that it, like yeah. am I going to have any work next month well if I now know that I'm doing this amount of work like I've sort of already I'm already getting paid for the time for next month mm-hmm. so don't worry about then you know we can look out further or whatever so just just planning is easier and not kind of screwing myself over yeah. or screwing clients over either with like having to um um push deadlines too many times or things like that. But I do appreciate when clients are flexible because like even with planning um, and this is the same for writing, drawing, whatever it is, uh, life happens and the world happens and uh, uh, sometimes you got to flex. So. Uh, All right, Jane, I come to you with a, 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 a request of for for aid for assistance here because i've reminded myself in what i was talking about earlier of um you know you tell the artist like all right this is what i want and then you get a sense of the detail and then you you yeah figure out your rate but this all revolves around the assumption that the commissioner knows how to do an art brief <laughs> of any kind sure and oh, i yeah. i am I I apologize constantly to people because <laughs> I'm like I'm so bad at trying to because this is again one of those things that like it's not like there's a model or maybe there is and I yeah. just don't know it of like what is what do you look for in an art brief or like what advice can yeah. you give to people who are commissioning to put together an art brief that the artist is going to look at it and at least have a sense of where we're starting as opposed to like, yeah, we got to go back and forth for a while before we can actually tease this yeah. thing out. Well, I think on the very front end, like all the basics, like the kinds of things that you might see from artists who break out their commission rates by like the add-ons, mm. right? Like the a la carte stuff, like background, number of characters, like um, even if the artist doesn't commission by that stuff, those are the kinds of details that are like really important on the front end, like that, that are sort of easy to hit on, right? Like, okay, this is a piece with two characters. It has a background, it's black and white. Um, and, uh, and those are like the fundamentals. It's going to be published on an A5, um, full page spread. Mm. Um, um, those, those kinds of like technical details, um, are super important because they're, they're not just going to dictate what gets drawn, but also like, what when i make my canvas to start this piece what size do i need like, I, i'm not going to start thumbnailing if i don't know the ratio of the page or whatever i don't want to draw like a a5 page and then somebody tell me like oh it's a 16 um by three like super wide <laughs> angle shot and i'm like i can't turn this into that i have to start over um that stuff's like really important on the front end and um those are like the basics mm. um 
and then beyond that it's the, you know like whatever description you can give um uh if there's like a tone you're trying to get that's helpful if you're if you want color and your um your book has like a color theme um or whatever publication it's going in has a has a theme and you want the art to go along with that like provide swatches or like hex numbers or whatever for colors so that um you know the artist isn't you know doing colors that then you want to change later or or so that that way they're just like on theme right mm. from the get-go um or if you know a kind of general vibe like i saw this kincaid painting or oh. like uh you know or or this um uh um god why did i say kincaid my that's a poison in my brain that's a hilarious example <laughs> um but I, you know, I saw I saw this this piece from one of my favorite artists on on Twitter or whatever that has like an awesome color story. Share a link to that, you know. Um, um, uh, and and like obviously not like don't copy this this piece. I don't want this drawing. But the colors in it are great. And you know, for some artists like me who are colorblind, like. I'm going to color pick from that mm. and it's going to make things so much easier for me to get you your piece when you want it. Um, so, cause I can build a color palette out of that or some apps like procreate, you can actually drag and drop a picture into the color panel and it will create a palette for you and stuff like that. Really? So, um, yeah, yeah. That's one of the newer features too. That's my new um, procreate tip I've learned today. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that kind of thing's helpful. And also another thing I love, um, and I think other artists, like this too is if you have like if you have a kind of a composition or a po character pose or something that you envision and you're having a hard time describing it or maybe you can describe it but it's hard for the artist to interpret that accurately um and you can't draw like if you can do a stick figure drawing or like or like a wireframe you know like literally like you know, draw a box here and a triangle here and a circle here and then label them A, B, C, and then a key that's like A is the character, B is a comet, C is like their gears sitting on top of a rack or like, you know, that kind of thing. Um, that stuff is super helpful too, because it's like, okay, like um I I I can literally take that thumbnail you made and put it on my canvas and lower the transparency and like pencil over that. So I kind of like am giving you the layout that you want um and that kind of thing and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be storyboard quality or or you know it it can literally like i've gotten some um some great thumbnails from um from some clients uh um chris longhorse longhurst who i've worked with on on some stuff for the the map is not the territory um has commissioned a couple of things from me and in both cases given me like stick figure drawings that are like awesome starting points. Like, oh, I understand exactly what you want now. Like this isn't, we're not gonna publish this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, okay, now I get what you're describing. Um, uh, I think uh, don't discount your art ability as the commissioner. Um, uh, don't keep, let that keep you from like, giving a sketch. Yeah. Um, I know um, awesome artist, uh, Nala Wu, um, uh, 
has a few um, clients who have done that for them, and uh, um, they've talked about how that's that's great too. Um, I've never yeah. even considered doing like even a really simple wireframe sort of thing like that. That that would be so much easier than me trying. I'm trying to like type out these like elaborate yeah. scenes or even just like the like the pose of the character. I'm like. I don't know how to. I'm not a. I'm not a a, a prose writer. So like even the idea mm -hmm. of like trying to evocatively describe a scene is not something that I that comes natural naturally to me as I'm writing. So I'm like, God, I really hope that this makes sense. And I always end yeah. every email with that. Like I really, I'm so sorry <laughs> if this doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do I mean like like that sort of like napkin sketch idea yeah. or, or post-it note, you know, whatever. Like do that. And if it's not, if your post note you feel like isn't clear, or you know the sketch you've done, draw arrows that point to the things. <laughs> and you're like, this is a sword, you know, like that's excellent. Like um, I think that's super helpful for artists. Um, I I love it when clients do that. Um, so I I gotta uh, I gotta remember yeah. that even if it is truly truly horrible, it is still helpful, right? It's, it's data, it's yeah. information that helps. Because otherwise you're just working in a void, right? Otherwise you're just like, wow, I really have to sort of interpret like what this is supposed to be or what yeah. the commissioner's intent is. Well, and the the teacher side of me, the, the, the artist likes to, to teach drawing and stuff. Also, one of my favorite things about telling commissioners to do that is that I'm also, also in a very stealth way teaching you how to uh, start drawing ah. <laughs> because because doing that wireframe, doing that super rough sketch, that's thumbnailing. Mm. Like that's, and when you draw a square to represent where a character's at or a triangle for a mountain or, you know, like these super simple shapes, that's, that's drawing 101. That's like, you know, don't start drawing the buttons, start drawing the shape of the, the form, you know, right. like, overall the general shape of, of the, the thing that the details on um, you're actually learning to draw by doing those little <laughs> sketches. So you've tricked us all. Excellent. I have. Yeah. <laughs> That's super cool. That's really cool. Well, I, I, that is a very helpful piece of little piece of advice that I will, I will carry with me moving forward. Um, well, uh, you know, we're, we're at about like an hour here. This has been, this has been fantastic. Uh, is there anything that we didn't cover that you really wanted to, that you were really itching to, to talk about? Uh, I think one other thing that I, I am interested in talking about, and maybe it's a bigger conversation for, for maybe for another time, but I do, one thing I've been thinking about lately is, uh, is trends in, in art and tabletop. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't know if you want to get into that or, or, save that or i'm down to talk uh, about trends in tabletop art that would be yeah. cool for me so so one of the things that i i think since i've kind of entered the scene that is interesting to me um and that i think it sort of it is one of the stratifiers on an aesthetic level between um indie and larger publisher uh games and and uh products is um uh the styles of art that that end up in things and like the the style that has largely dominated um mainstream rpgs and and other tabletop games and and trading card games and stuff is a more like realistic rendering mm -hmm. like painterly or not painterly but a, a painted uh realistic rendering kind of style um and uh um 
it's a it's a highly uh, technically skilled mm. method of making art and there's a lot of incredible artists doing that and and I don't knock that style itself for the artists making it I think I envy their ability to <laughs> do art in that way sometimes especially because of the of it requires a lot of ability to use color well uh, mm. which is a thing I struggle with and, and part of the reason why I, I can't do that kind of art so there's very transparently some some uh, um, some jealousy from me on <laughs> on being able to draw in that way but um, but I do think that it is interesting to see how that has become this dominant style because um, something I haven't seen a lot of people talk about, um, although some people do, and, and I think this has come up in, I've seen it come up in the comic scene too with like um, house styles for like the big three publishers and stuff where you get this kind of like homogenization of style mm. where um, some artists still find a way to make their stuff stand out but if you flip through like the latest D&D book, um, it can be hard to say like who did which piece in it. Um, and that's um, that's a testament to like the skill of the artist to render in such a way that is uh, realistic to the point of like having a challenge of 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 differentiating from from other pieces. But I think it also puts the publisher in a position of power over artists that mm. I I'm real uncomfortable with um, because it it means a lot of the time that like artists are fairly replaceable. Um, like if if you are not willing to work for whatever rates they're setting, um, which I don't I don't know some of the big publishers' rates, so I don't know whether or not they're paying fairly. I hope they are. Um, you know, a lot of people work for those places for a long time, and and. I, I hope that means that like they're paying well enough to stay yeah. there. Um, but I do think that it takes some of the power away from artists to negotiate rates or to like push back on like, Hey, you've been paying this rate for the past five years, 10 years, whatever, like um, it's time to, to increase it um, because the publisher can just like, there are a lot of people capable of working that style who have, who put in the the time and effort it takes to really, um, work in that way who may be willing to work for whatever their base rate is because they're the publisher they are and the, that name carries enough weight that there's enough people applying who aren't going to consider how that rate compares to somewhere else. Um, uh, and I, I think that's the thing that faces writers and, and editors and stuff too. But um, but I think style, um, a a art direction that homogenizes the style in the way that a lot of the big publishers does, I think is damaging both in terms of like um, robbing us of just seeing some interesting artistic perspectives in, in these books. Mm. Um, but also like um, it's a, it's a method of control, I think too. Um, and, and I, I don't think it's a coincidence that it is built around a hyper-realistic kind of rendering that has a sort of like uh, Kantian sense of um, like standards of beauty. Mm. Like what what is art? Well, art is uh, neoclassical painting, like, mm. uh, and not, um, uh, um, you know, uh, Morkborg covers or, or, uh, um, or, uh, you know, some, some of the stuff that people are doing with like really graphic, um, 
um, uh, high contrast art and, you know, stuff like that. Like, um, so, uh, I don't know. I think that that's one of the reasons why I love working in, uh, with the people I work with is that there's so many unique styles and approaches to art and even not even just, um, across the scene, but like in individual titles sometimes mm -hmm. and in ways that like with, with the right team, like can still work it, it, like, even if the, the individual styles are different aesthetically, it still somehow ties together in a way that is intriguing and fun. Um, yeah, so that that's a that's the thing I think about a lot that I I wish there was a little more discussion around. That is really fascinating. You know, it's one of those things that sort of just through osmosis I have absorbed but never really consciously thought about of the sort of like, oh yeah, there is there is sort of a style that is commonly seen. You you kind of I've got like a million thoughts that are coming into my head <laughs> based off of this. It's really fascinating too. So it reminds me of um you know, a recent commission experience I had when I when I was commissioning Eddie York to do the character art in Nova. Um, uh -huh. Eddie does that style you're describing, very realistic, detailed digital painting, um, or just I guess painting. I, you don't have to qualify yeah, it. Sure. Um, and I remember seeing that, being blown away. Eddie did a piece in that style, and I was like, "Yeah, this is really badass." But the thing that like lingered in my head was that he sent me rough like silhouette sketches of like different mm -hmm. shapes that we could take these mechs in, and like with just like some color, like like swaths of color color over things. And I was like, I kind of like that. I kind of want that, which is so mm -hmm. so the opposite direction. But it was. It was really hard, and we had a good conversation where we moved back in that direction, but it was one of those weird things where, like, Eddie sent me this thing, and I was like, it's beautiful. Obviously, this is yeah. technically a gorgeous piece of art, but, like, is it weird that I want <laughs> the, the thing that's, I don't know, maybe your warm-up or your sketch? Like, that, I, that that style is the thing that is really interesting to me. Like, I, I tend to... I like I like the style. I wish I had it handy. It's in my big box of zines. But there's an artist who did all of the art for a zine that was up on Zine Quest Year Two, I think, called Seventeenth Century. Like it was a okay. it's an OSR thing. And the artist's whole style is basically just kind of like constantly scratching with like a a pencil, essentially, and creating yeah. all the shapes with with that. And I'm like, that's so cool. That that sticks uh -huh. out to me. But and I. And of course, I can't name the artist off the top of my head, which does not help lend uh, evidence to my case. But I remember that artist, right? Like, as yeah. opposed to the swaths of others. And it's interesting that there is this, this like, big push towards a particular style. And it's, the other thing that it reminds me, or the other thing that came to my mind, and, and this is something, maybe I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, is, you know, um, within an artist styles that they can capture and 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 work in is is interesting to me because like when i see an artist with like their commission rate or something like that they usually have a couple of pieces and they're all of a very similar style and uh -huh. but then they will say something like i'm open to other styles and stuff and that that's the thing that really fascinates me because i I see, you know, typically I see an artist with a particular style and I go, that's what they do. And I don't even think mm -hmm. about or comprehend the idea that they could probably do other things. 
Like, yeah. much like me as a writer, I write a particular type of game, but I could write another type of game if I wanted. Like, yeah. that translation doesn't happen in my head. Um, yeah, I'm just curious what your, like, off, like, what your thoughts are about, like, that idea of, like, artists yeah. holding multiple styles and, and things yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, I think um, that's, a, yeah, that's a really interesting, um, it, it plays into a mix of, like, um, the um, wide breadth of skills that artists have to render things in all different types of styles, um, but also sort of like um, some artists love working in multiple styles because they don't want to get bored with any one thing. Mm. Some artists only want to work in a single style because the only thing they enjoy doing um, or it's the thing that pays best or like, you know, for whatever reason, they stick to that thing. And some artists um, like for marketability feel like they have to do all the styles right they've got to appeal to anybody any potential client possible um and i think depending on it's it almost feels like luck sometimes who sees your stuff um like all of those apply <laughs> like, yeah I, there's an argument to be made for work for only working in a single style and trying to um market yourself as that and have like a very consistent brand to your work that is recognizable no matter where it's at. Um, uh, but then there's the argument that like, well, if people don't really know your work, like make work that anybody can latch onto. And then maybe you sort of, as you see which thing is getting more attention, do that. Um, but like, are th that all then sort of ties into like, well, are you doing this? Cause you're, good at drawing and you just want to do it as a job because you're good at it? Or like, are you making art that has um, a deeper meaning to you that you want to make sure you're doing in a way that is representative of like the expression you want to put out? And they're all valid perspectives. Um, but like, I think, I think it's important for artists to like consider like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And what, for that reason, what art of mine should I do? Like, yeah. should I stay open? Should I do a particular style? I struggle with that a little bit because I have, I have a few different styles, um, at least to my eye. Um, I, I don't know if it, if it's seen the same way by others necessarily, but like I will work kind of the strata from like something that is kind of like that, um, 10 million HP planet mm -hmm. cover that is, very bombastic silver age comics bright colors super bold inks um you know harping on like the jack kirby school of illustration with all the kirby crackle and stuff like that um very little uh in the way of like detailed line work it's mostly big blocky chunky shapes um and then on the other hand i've got the stuff i've been doing for this morkborg uh campaign setting book that is more in the like early 19th or early 20th century illustrator kind of like very fine engraving style line work super detailed um kind of like also the wonder home cover that i did the yeah. line work for that um where um i think generally the way i approach drawing underneath that tends to be the same between both but then like my my technique for inking is really what pulls them in different directions um uh but yeah, so sometimes I wonder, like, are these two things, do they work mm. on my portfolio site together? Um, uh, one is more comics, one is more like classical 
black and white illustration. Um, and uh, I, I hope they do because I like doing both of them. So for me, I've sort of decided like, I don't know if this hurts or helps my my marketability or whatever, but like these are the things I want to draw and yeah. I hope people commission me for them, you know, like um, I do a lot of weird chunky ink stuff for Sandy Pug um, games uh, and then some stuff that other people have commissioned me for. I've tried to push on like, okay, I want to do something really beautiful and subtle. Um, but now I'm like, uh, um, I got to, and then we'll be working on soon, um, as writing is wrapping up on exquisite corpse, uh, the exquisite corpse and maggots keep, um, uh, that sort of is a bit of a bridge between the two, um, where I'm doing a little bit of subtle stuff in it, but then also sometimes it's, uh, bold and flat and, and, uh, um, so yeah, so I, I think about that, that yeah. too, but I think I've kind of landed in like, I've, I've got a spectrum I'm working in and it's not as all over the place before I did when I first started working in the scene I was doing some realistic rendering stuff I have a few of those pieces in the um creative comrades pack of art yeah um but uh but I don't I don't really work like that anymore because I don't like to like I was doing it because it was like well this is what's in these books so I all guess right. I got to draw like that um but uh yeah it's a it's a really fascinating idea you know that I haven't I hadn't really thought too much about it until you until you mentioned it that there is sort of this general push this general like style that is very popular very much out there and the ramifications on how artists decide what they're going to move forward with their own styles and like exactly said the sort of power dynamics that are involved in it that's ooh that's a rabbit hole that I feel like yeah right I want to get like a whole bunch of artists to like yeah talk about yeah, that it'd be that would cool be cool to have a lot of perspectives on it yeah. yeah fascinating fascinating very cool uh whew, my brain is on fire right now with all yeah. this stuff i love it um cool excellent um well that feels like a good wrapping up point as we consider sure. like the art direction of the scene and well yeah <laughs> where, where what is gonna... art if not if not a, a constant existential crisis so <laughs> perfect <laughs> Speaking of ex exquisite corpse, by the way, I am so excited about yeah. that. As I was looking oh, through your portfolio, I was like, "Oh, that's gonna be so good! It's gonna be so good!" Yeah, yeah. I've I've been reading some chunks of what everybody is turning in with their drafts, and I'm just like, oh, "I can't wait to draw this!" Like, so yeah, I'm I'm wrapping up this Morkborg book, uh, and then uh, I'm doing a, a logo for Ray that I'm wrapping up um, uh, for Sword Queen Games. I'm I'm stoked on. Uh, and then it's, I'm going to take like a week off and then it's, it's going to be exquisite corpse until like, I don't know, midsummer or something like that. We'll, we'll see how long it all takes, but I'm stoked on that. And, and a quick tie into early conversation, something I'm super excited about is, um, all of the pieces with the exception of the cover and maybe, maybe a few interiors, but, but we're talking at least like 50 pieces of art are going to be, um, uh, a few months post final publication of the book um, released under Creative Comrades. So um, it'll be a huge library of wow. great fantasy horror art for folks to, to have access to. So we're really stoked on that too, as, as being cow. part of that project. Yeah. That is super cool. What a, what a boon to everybody. What, and that's, that's, that's very, very exciting. Uh, Excellent. Wow. I'm excited yeah. to see that. So, you know, you shouted out a couple of things. Where, where else can folks find you on, 
online or anything like that? Sure. Um, so yeah, I'm on, uh, I'm on Twitter at JN Butler art. Um, and, uh, that's generally where you can find me in most places, but, but most of the time I'm on Twitter. Uh, and then, um, my, my portfolio site with my commission rates and links to, um, uh, creative comrades and my art, uh, collection that's licensed under that. That's all at jnb.art. Um, and, uh, uh, also I've got, uh, an itch storefront um jnb.art or itch. I don't know how the urls go for those jn <laughs> jnbutler.art.h.io i think uh, i don't know that's linked on my portfolio site too yeah. um but i've got i've got a quest uh creature supplement on there but also i have a um i have a commission contract template on there that um I hope folks take advantage of if you're an artist or writer, you know, take a little tweaking as a, as a writer or editor um, to some of the language, but um, it's, it's free and open to everybody to use however they want. Um, either as like, you can use it verbatim for your commission contracts, or if you want to cut it up and pull the stuff you like and write in stuff, you know, to replace other things. Um, it's just, you know, based on my experience using contracts, uh, I, I put that together for people to use and, and, uh, yeah, so that's there for free, snag it and, and, uh, take advantage of it. Awesome. Very cool resource. Uh, well, everybody, this has been a blast. I hope you all had fun and I know I learned a lot. Uh, so this I, was I had a blast. This... Yeah. Thanks for having me on here. Of course. Absolutely. I want to get a giant panel of artists to get together to talk about this trend thing you've mentioned because that'd be cool. I feel like that's a big topic. I feel like that's something yeah. that like I want to like have people start talking about it and then I just sit back and just watch as <laughs> all of it as 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 that conversation happens. I feel like it would be very interesting. Um, yeah. Well, hope maybe maybe for a future a future thing. Uh, Thank you so much, everybody, for, for joining us and watching uh, or listening if you're on the podcast later on. Uh, all the links that were mentioned will be in the descriptions of the various things that you are either watching or listening to. Um, once again, I continue the tradition of not looking up who next week's guest is before we start, so there will be a guest. Uh, I don't remember who it is, though, so <laughs> keep an eye on Twitter. Uh, I'll shout out about it. Uh, otherwise... Have yourselves a wonderful rest of the day, morning, afternoon, evening, wherever it is you are, and we will talk to you later. Bye, everybody. See ya.